0: Well, it was, the, uh, it was the first question on the ME25 survey that we took from Gallup last fall. And some of you may remember that survey that we took. Some of you have no idea what I'm talking about, but we took a survey this last fall. And it was the first question on this list of about 25. There are questions or statements that you answer as, as questions. And it's the first on the list because according to Gallup's research, it is the question that most impacts uh, how, how, whether or not somebody will be engaged in the life and the mission of their local church. It is, according to Gallup, the question that, in a sense, really drives all other questions. And if we think about it, it's the question that really drives each of us in a lot of different areas of our lives, whether it be in our families, or at our workplace, or in our schools. And our answer to that question, in large part, will determine not only how well we are personally engaged in the life of our local church, but it will also, in large part, determine how successful we are as an organization or as a family of believers, as a church body, in accomplishing the mission and the purposes that God has Laid before us, the hopes and the dreams and the goals—really—that that God has put in our hearts. The question is simply: In my congregation, do I know what is expected of me? You can put that first one up there. What is expected of me? And if you remember on the survey, the uh, it was actually a statement it said, "I know what is expected of me." It's the very first question and. Mm, According to the statistics, we're actually doing pretty well on this one. Uh, Forty percent of those of you who took the survey actually circled a five on this one. And if you remember, that means you strongly agree. I guess it's this way for you. You strongly agree that you know what is expected of you in your congregation. Another 38% circled a four, which indicates that you at least somewhat, if not leaning even more to the strong aspect of it, agree that you know what is expected of you in your congregation. And so statistically, again, it looks like we're doing pretty good with this when 78% of us uh, circled a four or five. And I don't think there there was anybody who circled a a zero on this. Um, And so everyone... uh, had at least some uh, understanding or inclination as to knowing what is expected of them in our congregation. The question that remains for me as I look at this statistic and this particular uh, question is whether or not those 78% have the same ideas as to what is expected of them in our congregation. Do you know what I'm saying here? The reality is, is that you and I, we might both circle a five and say, I know exactly what is expected of me in my congregation. And you and I, at the same time, might be thinking of two completely different pictures of what is expected. And this is, while wonderful that so many of us have a sense of what is expected of us, a bit concerning, on the other hand, that perhaps... With so many of us knowing what's expected of us, that we may have different ideas of what is expected of us and could create some real confusion and issues down the road. In, in my premarital counseling with uh, folks... And some of you who have done this with me can smirk at this point or smile. But one of my favorite exercises in the book that we use, uh, that I usually work through with, with couples, one of my favorite exercises is something that they simply call great expectations. And uh, in that exercise, basically, there's a list of different issues everything from faith to family, and of course, you've got to have finances in there, and a, a whole number of other issues that couples might potentially interact around. And what the assignment is, is to take that list and individually list what your expectations are for these various issues in terms of how you will relate to them or how you will live them out in your married life. And then to come together after you've done that individually and to share those expectations with one another. And what I've found just over and over is that Typically, there are some things that couples are just completely lined up with in terms of what they expect. And then there are other things that perhaps the one person just thought was a completely normal, you know, everybody expects that kind of a thing that the other person had a completely different expectation for. And what it simply reminds me of is that we have different ways of looking at things, different ways of interpreting what is expected of us. And it reminds me that even as a pastor, I should never assume that people in our congregation know what is expected of you. Even when we've made it explicitly clear, sometimes it doesn't always get through. What is expected of us? As a result of this survey and A result of really this question, we're going to be doing a lot of work around this topic in the coming days. And uh, this isn't going to be like a quick fix, you know, a a short process. I'm looking forward to kind of actually a lengthy conversation with our congregation in discussing and determining really what is expected and and coming to some real points of clarity with one another about what are the expectations that, that, that we have. For one another, and that the, the church family has for us as individuals as we think about this. We're gonna we're gonna be uh, participating in this and doing some critical thinking, and I hope that you will you will lend your voice. I hope that when we let you know, we'll be doing this in the next few weeks, that when we let you know of a time to come and speak and share and kind of reflect with us about what those expectations ought to be, that you will participate in that. Our, our hope is that. In the end, as a result of these conversations, that not only will you have contributed to making that list or describing what those expectations might be, but that because of that, through that process, that we will each have a deeper sense of ownership, right? Deeper sense of appreciation and and, and ownership of those various expectations so that we'll be more likely to live them out. But uh, I want to just kind of get this conversation started this morning it seems like a great time at the beginning of this year just to kind of get the conversation started a little bit with some, with some ideas and kind of speak in some broad terms about some ideas or some thoughts um, that I hope will be at, at least at the ground level of any talk around here of what our expectations might be at, uh, at Coast Community. So if you're just kind of, you know, passing through town, Bob Skaggs, by the way, great to see you passing through town. But if you're just kind of checking out our church, and, and, or you, this isn't necessarily your church home, then, then I hope that you'll just kind of allow this to be some moments where you can get a little taste of who we are as a church family and body, and who we're wanting to be. But if this is your church home, then, then if the question is, are you talking to me, then the answer is, yeah, I'm talking to you, all right? So this is, this is for us this morning. What are some of the, just kind of the core expectations? So I want to share with you just two, what I just kind of would think are kind of fundamental, core, basic, you might even call these, duh, kind of expectations, all right? Nothing new, nothing really fresh, nothing revolutionary here. But then I want to share with you three, quickly, three ideas that I hope that may, might be a little unique to us as a church family that can help us to flesh out those larger expectations. All right. So here's the first of kind of the primary duh expectations at Coast Community. And that is this, that you will be a person that we will each be people who are growing. All right. That we will be people who are growing growing. Now some of you say, well I just came through the holidays I went to a few parties and uh, had a little bit too much to eat and I fit the bill. I'm growing. I would say we're not talking about our waist size here or anything like that. We're talking about our spiritual growth and it doesn't matter where you may be on this spiritual journey. Could be that you're just even a seeker, someone who's just kind of checking things out, just trying to discover a little bit more about who Jesus is. It could be that you're fairly new in your faith, that you're just kind of getting your feet on the ground. Or it could be that you've been at this for a long time. The expectation is that wherever you might be in your spiritual journey, that you would be a person who is attending to spiritual growth in your life. Um, listen to how uh, the Apostles Paul spoke of this. We, we read this uh, whole portion last week in, in our Wesley Covenant service. And I just want to read a portion of it for you this morning. But this is from Colossians chapter 3. And just, just some, some language here about what this growth might look like. Not limited to this, but, but something I think that can help us. When Paul wrote about spiritual growth, he wrote this. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature. Sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Here there is no Greek or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. This is the word of the Lord, by the way. Thanks be to God. And and what Paul is talking about here is growth both by negating some aspects of our lives and by adding other aspects to our lives. And what he's talking about here is becoming in reality and practice all that Christ has made possible for us to become through his death and through his, rection, his resurrection. He's not asking us to do something that's impossible, but to simply lean into all that God has made possible for us through Jesus, to be people who are growing. It's a distinct mark of our church's understanding of God and our approach to the Christian faith that we are not saved simply to punch our ticket for heaven, although that is a wonderful blessing. But in order to live a life that is continually becoming more and more like that of Jesus, a life that is continually growing. Now, I was uh, five foot three when I was in ninth grade. And between my ninth grade year and my 10th grade year, I grew about 10 inches, and my legs hurt, and I was tripping all the time, and I was a, just a gangly gawky dude. And that was not fun necessarily to experience or I'm sure to watch. But I, the reality is this, that sometimes we will grow in spurts. All right, There will be seasons of your life where you just are, wow, God's just revealing things and you're growing and you're learning and new knowledge and new practice and new understanding and you're spurting 10 inches. And there will be other times where it's slow and it's steady and maybe it's not even necessarily noticeable to others around you and barely even to yourself. But to be people of growth means that we will be paying attention to this and recognizing that even in those times of what may look like slow growth, it's, those, it's, it's opportunities for us to grow in ways that are perhaps even more significant and more deep. Be people who are growing. We will, we are expected, you are expected, I am expected as a part of this congregation that we will not be satisfied with spiritual stagnation, but that we will keep growing. Now, the second part of this is, and I've made them rhyme so they'll be easy for you to remember, is this, that not only will we be people who are grow, growing, but we'll be people who are going, all right? growing and going some of you were trying to figure out jump what that rhyme was going to be right there weren't you uh, growing and going people who <clears throat> are moving out simply meaning that we'll be people who as Paul writes to the Corinthians who are compelled by the love of Christ who sense this inner compulsion within us because of all that God has done for us through Jesus because of his forgiveness because of his grace because of the way He has changed our lives and others that we know, that we are compelled to go and to share that love, to be ambassadors for Christ to the world in which we live. We will not be, again, satisfied to to sit back and allow the world to continue to go in the direction that it's going, but to invest our lives and to go to those in their deepest need and to meet them with the compassion and with the salvation that Christ offers These words that Paul wrote to the Corinthians in uh, chapter 9 of 1 Corinthians. Just listen to this. Listen to the passion that comes through in his voice. Though I am free and belong to no man, I make myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. To the Jews, I become like a Jew to win the Jews. To those under the law, I became like one under the law though I myself am not under the law, so as to win those under the law. To those not having the law, I became like one not having the law. Though I am not free from God's law, but I'm under Christ's law. He likes parentheses. So as to win those not having the law. To the weak, I became weak. To win the weak, I have become all things to all men, so that, By all possible means, I might save some. I do all this for the sake of the gospel that I may share in its blessings. Our expectation is that if we're to be uh, folks, a part of this congregation, that that's going to be something that is important to us. That not only are we growing concerned about ourselves, but we're going. We're not content to let the world around us go to a, an eternity that is without Christ, without us at least having something to say about it, some investment, some going. Even this week, I, I had an opportunity to interact with families, not, not families in our, in our own local church, just families in our community who are experiencing just the crush of, of, of addiction and and loss. People who are experiencing just darkness, and depression, and despair. People who are just going through nightmares of life. And, and this is happening all around us. It is, it is where you, I mean, you don't even, we don't even see it. It's below the surface at some levels. And yet there's so much pain, so much need, so much emptiness, in our world. And we as a church have to be people, individuals and a community who is willing not to just kind of wait for those folks to come to us, but to be people who would go to them, or to be people who are growing and going. Now, these are the two just kind of duh expectations again. And some of you would say, I got those down pat. I got it. Growing, going, check. Other of you would say, well, I got one but not the other. Uh, I'll work on it. Others of you would say I have. I'm not even close to either of those. So good point. I'm glad you mentioned it, but uh, really not quite for me yet at this point. Well, whatever the case, I think that most of us would agree with these expectations at some level, and and I would hope that most of us would would sense some longing to kind of lean into them and and uh, allow them to to really grab hold of us as well, and. Um, we would also agree that that I think most of us would agree that these characteristics are not going to simply just kind of appear on their own that just kind of you're going to wake up tomorrow and suddenly be a Christian a follower of Jesus who is growing and going just kind of happen you know by osmosis somehow we ultimately believe that it is God who makes things grow and we ultimately believe that it is the Holy Spirit who commissions us and sends us to go as well but the question really remains for us, what part do we have to play in it? What, what part do we have as, as followers of Jesus to, to play in this, in this life that is growing and going? Now, this is kind of where we start to maybe think of this kind of second tier of expectations that, that we need to share and that we need to think about here at our church. And this is where we kind of have to be a little bit careful because I think this is the part where people start to impose what you know, what their expectations are on everybody else. And, and, and for me or anybody else to simply say, well, this is how you need to grow. And this is how you need to go. This is what it takes in order to do that. And so do it. And if you don't do it my way, then you're wrong. And this is where we kind of have to be careful with this. And that's why we're going to have a broader conversation about this. But I want to share with you just three expectations really quick that I, I don't I don't think that I'm just making these up. I think these are things that are emerging within the life of our church and are really kind of part of the, kind of the DNA or the structure really of who, the inherent structure really of who we are as, as a church community. So let me share with you, with you these, these ideas. I think, again, they're already getting a little bit of traction and will at least help kind of point us in the direction that, that we need to go if we are to be people, again, who are, growing and who are going. Really, the first of these expectations is that we would be people who are listening to the Spirit, all right? Is that okay if I say that? I mean, that doesn't sound like I'm imposing anything on you, right? I mean, I think this sounds like a very pretty basic quality, a pretty basic uh, expectation that a church would have of its people if we were to be people who are growing and going, that we would be people who are listening to the Spirit. Paul writes to the Galatians, since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. And what this simply means is that we're, we're listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit. And this might come through just kind of a nudge on our conscience. It might come through uh, something that we read in Scripture. It might come through something that we hear through a sermon or through the voice of a trusted Christian friend. It may come through some experience that we have in life. The Holy Spirit might, we just kind of believe, might use all sorts of different means to speak to us. But we're going to be people who are listening for that voice to come and for the Spirit to speak to us. We're going to be listening especially for for different ways that the Spirit is teaching us about how we might grow. And we're going to listen for the way that the Spirit might be teaching us as well about to where and to whom we might go. Uh, not only will it be that we're going to listen to the Spirit, but really the second part of this is that we're listening to the Spirit and we're going to be ready to obey, right? Because it's one thing maybe to listen. It's another thing to listen and then respond and to obey as the Spirit Leads us. I was talking to a, a guy again, not a part of our congregation uh, a while ago, but but a guy who's seeking the Lord and and uh, and he. We were just having this conversation, and I'd been talking to him, and we've been having some interaction. I've been talking to him about some things, and and really nothing that I kind of said quite honestly, was getting through, and this seems to be a frequent case. But I, I thought I had some good things to say and didn't really seem to make much of a difference. And We were having a conversation one time, and, and he just kind of said, well, you know, James, I think I'm, I think I'm learning this particular issue. And, and honestly, it had been something that I had been talking to him for, for quite a while, and he just hadn't heard it at all. And he said, I think I'm just kind of learning this. And I looked at him and I said, what, a, what an interesting idea. I wonder where, you, <laughs> wonder where you got that, you know? And then he came back and he said, you know, and on top of that, I think God's kind of trying to teach me this. And it was something else that we've been talking about. I said, well, what do you know? <laughs> Boy, I would just keep listening to, you know, whatever God's telling you, because it seems like it's really getting through. And this is the kind of example for all of us to follow. You can listen to me. You can listen to your spouse. You can listen to other Christian people around you. You can listen to that favorite television preacher or whoever it might be. But in while you're listening to us and to them, listen most carefully for the voice of the Holy Spirit. How might He want you to, to, to grow? Some of you uh, read The Wave this week and I talked about this. 21-day fast that our district has invited uh, churches on the Los Angeles district to participate in. And some of you think, oh, I can't do anything for 21 days, and much less do without something for 21 days. But, but the invitation simply is to, for 21 days, kind of based after a, a three-week fast that Daniel went on and is recorded in the book of Daniel, based on this time frame, to, to go 21 days fasting some particular food or, or sweets or, or some particular activity, and to, to do so as a means, again, of demonstrating your faithfulness and your desire to God to know more of Him. Maybe, maybe the Holy Spirit, when you read that, began to speak to you about fasting. Maybe the Holy Spirit is speaking to you about reading your Bible. I know some of you began a a year-long Bible reading program, maybe last Sunday, and maybe you're a day behind or two or three, but but maybe the Spirit is the one that's just kind of nudging you and saying, I, I really would love you to read the Word this year. I would encourage us to listen to the voice of the Spirit as He's speaking to us about our growth. Now, there, the, the Spirit might also be talking to you about someone in your neighborhood or someone in your workplace who just seems to have some, some deep hurt. Maybe that deep hurt is evidenced by the fact that they frequently lash out at you. Maybe they are often hurting you or others. And when we see people hurting others, that's a sure indication that they're hurting themselves, right? So maybe the Spirit's opening your eyes to someone who needs a particular uh, extension of compassion. Maybe the, Lord, the, the Holy Spirit's going to speak to you or is speaking to you about someone who actually, they don't need just compassion. They need salvation. They need Jesus to come and enter into their heart and forgive them of their sin and lead them in a new life that will last forever. And you need to be the one, maybe the Spirit is saying, who will just maybe kind of offer that opportunity, that possibility to them. The Spirit will speak to us. I'm just confident of it. We, we, we come from a tradition that celebrates this and, 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 and honors this. We, will, we believe that the Spirit will speak to us if we will listen. And if we will listen and obey, then the Spirit can do amazing things in and through us. So you, yeah, I'm talking to you. You, it, We are to be people who are listening to the voice of the Spirit. Second expectation is this, that, that we will be people who are living in our strengths, all right? I talked about this strengths retreat, and uh, it's coming up again in January at the end of, uh, the, end of the month, and so I don't want to do any more advertising necessarily for that right now, but simply this is to say that we believe that God has made made each of us uniquely and has gifted us particularly and has given us abilities and strengths, perhaps that in combination, you are the only one in all of creation who can do what you can do. You are the only one who particularly brings to the table what you bring to the table, You're the only one that brings to the kingdom and to the purposes of God what you bring to the kingdom and to the purposes of God. And so we want to be people who are intentional about living that out, about bringing our very best, about bringing that that creativity, that uniqueness that God has put into us to Him and to all that He has uh, going on in the world. Now, the reality, again, the Bible speaks about the fact that we are part of the family of God. We're part of the body of Christ, right? That, That no part is more important than the other. That every part is essential to the effective function of the whole. And so if we have some who are not bringing everything they have, then the body is not functioning to its greatest capability. And so our expectation... We may not always meet it. Let's just be honest with that. We may not always reach it, but our expectation is nothing less than that each one of us would be bringing everything that God has put into us to the ministry and to the flow and the mission of our congregation. I have this strong, burning conviction that God has given us right here, and I'm looking at you. And there's maybe some people who aren't here this morning, but they're a part of our congregation. God has given us everything we need. Everything we need to be and to do everything that He has called us to be and to do in these days. And so we don't need to kind of, you know, watch the back door for some superstar to come in and to change it all and to just make everything just... You know, help, help our church just become everything it was supposed to be. No, God has already given us that. He will add to it. We believe in that. And as he does, he will grow what his purposes and plans are for us. But it's only as we each bring what we have and who we are that he can accomplish these purposes. And it's been just an amazing thrill and a joy over this last year, especially as we began to talk about some of these you know, living out our strengths and, and allowing people just to be kind of who they are and bring that to God with all that they have. It's been just an amazing joy and thrill to watch as so many of you have kind of begin to tap into that uniqueness and express that and just be that to the glory of God and not to try to have to be something else or feel like you need to fit into some other kind of a mold. Living our strengths. And, the, and so the, the catchphrase of that, or what we might remember, is just simply to do what you do best. Do what you do best. Living in our strengths. Do what you do best. Now, third expectation is really a slogan that I first heard from my dad a long time ago. And, uh, and he used to say it, you know, he was a pastor, and in terms of the church that he was pastoring, I heard it there, and, and among those that he worked with, and I think he probably used it in our family as well, so this little phrase has just kind of been ingrained into my thinking and into my life, and you've probably heard it if you've been a part of our leadership for very long or on our staff, I know Jake and I talk about this all the time, and with Kyla, it's simply this, the, the, the expectation is that we would be people who are leaning to the middle. Leaning to the middle. Now, some of you are thinking, what does that mean? By this, we just mean that when it comes down to it, we expect that you will be a follower of Jesus that ultimately will do whatever it takes. Doing whatever it takes to accomplish the growth and the going that God intends for you and for the life of our church family, that we will lean towards the middle. Now, in the Wesley Covenant service that we read last week, this phrase just stuck out to me. Lots of things stuck out to me, but this one in particular I wanted to share for those of you who were here and weren't. He said it like this, Christ has many services to be done. Some are more easy and honorable. And I thought, those that go along with our strengths. Others, more difficult and menial. Those that are outside (laughs) of our strengths. Some are suitable to our inclinations and interests Others may be contrary to both. Listen to what he says. Yes, there are some spiritual duties that are more pleasing than others, but then there are other works where we cannot please Christ, but by self-sacrifice. Get the picture with me, would you? Leaning to the middle means that we will not let each other fall. If we all lean to the middle, sometimes you're going to be the one that is being leaned on pretty heavy. It's going to be somebody around you that needs your assistance, somebody in this family of believers who needs you to come and support them and encourage them and pray for them and be there for them. You're leaning to the middle, so you're there for them. Sometimes you're going to be the one who is doing the leaning, right? I feel a song coming on. Lean on me. No, I'm not going to go there. But this, <laughs> this leaning towards one another. You, you just might have a problem. <laughs> um, leaning to the middle. And when we do that, then we're able, we're, we're demonstrating that we're, we're not just kind of sil- in our own individual silos. We're not just people who are, alone in this pursuit. We are people who are interdependent on one another. And we're willing to step out of our individual silos and come alongside one another. And when it comes down to it again, do whatever it takes. Sometimes it's another phrase that we banter around in our staff and in our church board, whatever it takes. I Whatever it takes to, to grow individually, and to go both as a person and as a church, I mean, is there anything that we wouldn't do to accomplish both of those things? Leaning to the middle. Doing whatever it takes. Well, these, these are three. They're by no means the only three. I, I, I don't have a corner on this market, and I'm just hoping to kind of initiate and get the conversation going. But again, I hope that, whatever language we choose to work with, that at some level these ideas will be a part of the, uh, the, the expectations that we discover and that we develop as a church family. Listening to the Spirit, ready to obey. Would you be that kind of person today? Would you listen to the Spirit? Living in our strengths, doing what you do best. Would you, would you commit yourself even right now to be a person who is willing to discover, first of all, what it is that you do well? who it is that God has created you uniquely to be, and then do that, bring that to the table. And then will we be people here today who would say, yeah, I'm, I'm not an island. <laughs> we are a body. And I'm willing to lean to the middle and allow others to lean on me as I lean on them. Whatever it takes to accomplish all that God has in mind for me and for us. Well, today we get to, we get to pray for and send off some... Uh, some amazing people, and uh, I know that Cole's going to go and get some from the childcare, and Deborah, you can go and get the kids as well. Um, as we talked about this with Norm, our consultant, uh, Norm Shoemaker, who was here, we talked about this. Number one, this first question, we we kind of realized that we haven't done a lot of explicit talking, like language, like you know, this kind of stuff about what is expected. And, uh, you know, we have a mission statement on the front of our bulletin. Hopefully, maybe you read that from time to time. It gives you some sense as to who we want to be and what we want to accomplish. But we realized we hadn't done a lot of explicit speaking about this, and we want to do more of that. But we did say that while we haven't maybe talked a lot about it, we we have celebrated and demonstrated quite often those who are living out the qualities and characteristics that we long to see exhibited and growing in, in our church family. And in other words, we, you know, we, we take time to celebrate those who are growing and those who are going. And so not only do we want to talk about it, we want to show it today. Several this morning who are, who are doing this, who are growing and who are going. These, uh, these folks with the orange jerseys on, would you guys just come on up here? If you don't have your orange jersey, but you're running in the... In the 13.1. Those of you who are part of this uh, time next week, just come and just stand right along here, would you? Yes. A few more are going to come in from the child care, and uh, so we'll just send them right on up here. But I've been, I've had a good window into what these people have been going through, because I've been living with one of these runners. And uh, that's my wife, by the way. It's not any of these people up here, but she's coming. Uh, I've been living with one of these runners, and she has been uh, uh, an amazing example uh, to me. And, and this team, I've been getting all the emails. Uh, Teresa Thornburg, just raise your hand, Teresa. Um, she's got the special shirt, because she is the captain of our our team world vision and she's just led them so well these folks have um have run or walked or both many many miles as a team thank you thank you. you have some other cool stats that you want to okay bring them bring them to us
1: Our fundraising goal changed last night because we met goal. Our goal was 10000 Well, first it started out with 6000 and we changed that quickly because 6000 was puny. Uh, so our goal was $10,095 based upon active fundraisers on our team. Last night, I got a call from our number one fundraiser who said, I'm changing my goal. I'm increasing it. I think we need to change the team goal. We did. It is currently... in other words, $1,000 a mile. We are at $10,105 right now. So we're 75% of the way there. We have seven days. We're going to rock it, and you guys are going to help us, right? Yeah. 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 Man. All right. Based on that $10,000 figure, World Vision has determined that $50 is what it takes to provide clean water for one child for life that is so far we have provided that water for 202 kids in Africa another statistic is based on that 3,750 miles it's roughly 350 hours of training that we've done collectively as a team And there are 800 team members on Team World Vision Southern California who are running next Sunday. Of that 800, three from our church are in the top 20 fundraising category. They are including but not limited to Rick Glass who currently has $2,080 raised. You're going to get me started. And Donna, who is exactly at $2,000 right now. So we are very excited because it has been painful. But you know what? Drinking putrid water and being sick and possibly dying from it is also painful. Women walk, you know, 3.5 miles to go get water in Africa and it's bad water. They're going to get sick. you know. So we're making a difference.
0: And, and they've obviously been raising money from other sources beyond just here. In fact, last night we had a family from our neighborhood that was at our open house, by the way. And they came by with uh, a mom and her second-grade daughter, and they came by with five $1 bills and said, We got your email, Kyla. We think what you're doing is awesome. We can't imagine not having clean water. Here, we want this to go to what you're doing. And, and how exciting. What, what, a, what a beautiful thing that, that uh, because of the sacrifice and because of the effort that you guys have put forward in this. And by the way, don't they look marvelous? I mean, <laughs> they look... They look, they look tremendous and, and have just uh, just really done well with this. And, and what a great thing that, it, that it's, you know, the jerseys are nice and bright and everything else. But it's not about them. It's about all these kids and all these families that will enjoy clean water for the rest of their lives because of the efforts that these guys have put forward. And uh, so they won't be here next Sunday, and many of their families will be gone with them. They'll be running 7 a.m. along... Uh, What's the name of that beach, Venice Beach, right along that area there, and uh, along with the masses, lots of other people there. I'm not sure if we have anyone projected to win the race. Greg Venzer, Greg's probably our best hope. Oh, okay, Greg's maybe our best hope. Joshua might give it a, a, a go, um, but uh, we're gonna, we're gonna, um, we're gonna be there, and it's gonna be great. So. Uh, we, we're going to pray for you guys uh, in, in just a moment. I'm going to bring our Guatemala team up here, too. Can I have all the Guata- folks going to Guatemala? Just come and stand right over here. <laughs> Kids, can you guys shift right into that second row? Would that be okay? That way you can see a little bit easier. If you're going to Guatemala, come on right over here. And uh, leaving next night. Friday night, Saturday morning, overnight flight, um, L.A. to Guatemala City. And from there on to Coban, where the first building built with alabaster funds. You know that offering that we take a couple of times a year when you bring your change? It really does change the world. And uh, this building built in uh, 1950s, I think it was. We're going to do some work on it, this Bible college. And uh, we're going to do some, some work there But not only physical labor, uh, we'll be just partnering with the churches and with the believers there to encourage them. And uh, we know that in the process, we'll be encouraged ourselves as well. So look at this team. And uh, they also have uh, put in an amazing amount of work in serving lunches, right, and in collecting rummage sale items and sifting through those and selling them, and and just generating funds from their own sources to help pay their way. Many of you have supported this team so powerfully through your giving and through your prayer. And so as this team goes, and I get to be part of this team this year, I'm so blessed to do that. We go as a representative. We all, in a sense, go together. And we thank you for sending us and going with us in uh, our in your prayers as well there are some curvy roads in Guatemala from what I understand and we're going to have a great time together but we do appreciate your uh, your prayers and your your thoughts for us as we go